Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The World Cricket Show's 200th episode was recorded in front of a live studio audience. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. You ready, Say? Yeah. Oh, right. Can we get some water up to the stage, please? Can we get some water for Mr. Kerr? So I'm not getting anything in my monitor. <laughs> I'm not getting any drums. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not, I'm getting too much keyboard. I can't hear the theme tune <laughs> in my headphones. Can the stage monitors turn up just a bit, please? Okay, here we go then. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. I'm Adam Bayfield and this is Tony Kerr. Hello. How's it going this week, Tony? Not too bad, pretty good. Yeah, excited uh, to be here on this uh, 200th episode. This historic day. But I'm a little bit tired, I'm afraid. Oh, Tony Kerr, tired. There's a surprise. (laughs) It's quite good this. I quite like having the studio audience in here. It's good to have someone to laugh at my jokes. Someone other than you. Usually I have to act, but there's, there's people here to do that for me tonight. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not actually that tired, Adam, tonight. I'm actually feeling quite good. Popped, in, uh, popped into the Prince of Wales on the way into the studio just to run my post-Atherton World Eleven past the fear of the regulars. Uh, of course, this is one of the bits of homework that you've asked me to do. Yeah. Week, and I've actually done it. I haven't <laughs> yeah. read the books yet. But I have done that. It was always going to be a special episode, this uh, 200th trail, <laughs> wasn't it? And Tony's actually done some work in preparation for it. So that's just one of the ways that it's special. Yeah, so I'm yeah, feeling pretty good. You know, I had a quick drink to settle my nerves. Because oh, yeah. this is quite a big occasion, you know. <laughs> uh, we did talk about, doing a, about you doing a centurion to celebrate the yeah. 200th episode. Is that not happening? Well, I had to drive here. Oh, okay. uh, you know, I could I possibly would have done it. <laughs> Next time, 300, 300 was it. <laughs> When we get to the real daddy hundred, you know, we've got to go on from here. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, 200 is, is quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, we need to, we've made a start. Andrew Strauss never made a double hundred. Uh, but yeah, of course, Tone, I don't know if we've mentioned this already, it is the 200th episode. That is the reason why we have this studio audience in here with us in this room that's frankly too small to hold all of them. <laughs> There's not a lot of air in here. No, uh, no one's really yet, as yet, figured out just what it means. You know, I guess we'll, we won't know in, until 20, 30 years in the future yeah. when we can look back and see <laughs> just how significant what we'd achieved over the last kind of two to six years. This could well end up being your legacy, Tone. 
I mean, possibly mine as well, but I feel like it's probably more likely to be yours because I, I don't know if you'll do anything else with your life. That's but, kind. But how do you feel about that? Not great, to be honest. <laughs> Not, you know, that, there's a lot of reevaluating going on yeah. uh, in my life, particularly on just on the drive here. <laughs> really, uh, you know, I've thought long and hard. It was ten minutes it took me to get down here. Yeah, just is you this what I want to be doing? <laughs> that was that song, Midnight Cowboys. Everybody's talking. We were just seeing like <laughs> yeah. images of the previous episodes rushing past. And you uh. thought, what am I doing? It's quite a document, isn't it, now? <laughs> it's quite a document. Well, we've done it, though, Tony. No one can take this away from us. We have recorded 200 episodes of this show. We've only gone and f***ing done it, haven't we? <laughs> Who'd have believed it? And what's the plan for tonight's show? I guess it's going to be a bit of an unusual episode, isn't it? Because uh, you know, the 200th show, it feels, like a, uh, it feels like a good time to reflect, just have a bit of a chat about things, about where we are, just shoot the breeze a little bit. And we never normally do that, Tony, do we? We're normally very focused on this show so it will be slightly different in that way uh, but we will be talking about cricket as well later on it'll be the first part of our no doubt award-winning build-up to the ashes which starts staggeringly soon Tone. it's i think two weeks it's today mental. uk time in two weeks from now we'll be on the sofa watching sky sports build-up coverage that's ridiculous. That's nuts. I've not actually computed that at all <laughs> no, I in any sense. I hadn't until I just said yeah, it. Yeah, that's really... Uh, I just felt something wash over me. <laughs> Some kind of like... Everybody's just, talking to <laughs> me. Some kind of bleak realisation. <laughs> just the thought of the, the, like, you know, the next three or four months of my life. I'm actually a little bit scared about it, Tony, because I'm, I'm going to get no sleep this winter. Uh, but anyway, so we're going uh, to be doing the first part of our build-up towards that. Uh, but as I say, we will also... Uh, be devoting some time to talking about other things. We're going to be answering a big bucket load of listener questions. Uh, so if you're a fan of ours, hopefully you'll enjoy that. If you're listening for the first time to the show, this may not be the best place to start. You never know. Of course, you might enjoy it anyway. But we do have an extensive back catalogue of 199 episodes that you may prefer I guess to my start advice with. would be just hit subscribe and then come back in a week's time. You know, go and... <laughs> Do some dinner. Go and put the know, kettle on. Go and go for a walk, uh, a week-long walk. Uh, and come back and, you know, start start fresh. Yeah, or listen to last week's show. That would, yeah, that's start also, with last that's week's and pretend that we hadn't done this. <laughs> pretend this never happened. I think everyone will, <laughs> will want to pretend that this never happened. Uh, so, yeah, that's the plan, really. It will be a bit different. We're not going to be as, as I say, we're not going to be as uh, as focused as we usually are. Normally, we, we, we concentrate on one thing. And just to prove that, I'm going to talk about tennis now right. uh, for a minute. Because I was in London at the weekend, Tone. Uh, I was in that London. Uh, just went and, went and had a look at, uh, at London. Oh, yeah. Did I've some, heard about that. Did, did, some, uh, did some shopping on Oxford Road. Right. Uh, and I, went, I went to the tennis at the O2, the ATP World Tour Finals. You've been to that fun? Yeah. event before, yeah, haven't good. you? Yeah, it's good. Good little event. Yeah, it's great. It's exceptionally cool. Exceptionally blue, yeah. yeah. Everything is incredibly blue. It's either blue or it's dark. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's like the only... I don't really know how they play tennis. Well, so when you went, conditions. how high up were you in the stand when you went? Uh, quite, well, halfway, I guess, and then the, the next night, a bit nearer. Because I was right at the top, and I tell you what, it is steep. It is a long way down. When you stand up in your Did row... You think you were going to fall? You feel like you're going to fall. Like the, the players are almost directly underneath <laughs> you. It's very bizarre sensation but yeah so i went i went to one day i saw a, a couple of singles matches i was absolutely fuming when the draw was announced because i went on the monday which was the first day 
And I thought that I was guaranteed to see one out of Nadal or Djokovic. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll see Federer as well. Who knows? Maybe Ferrer. Uh, and then, yeah, basically <laughs> Tuesday was Nadal v Ferrer and Djokovic v Federer. On TV, Greg Rosetsky was like, oh, this is the day that you want tickets for. There's one day you want tickets for, it's today. I had Monday. It was just like, oh, yeah, and these other guys are playing as well. Yeah, like numbers like 14 to 16 <laughs> in the world. Uh, but as it turned out, it was both really good matches. And I did see Djokovic. I got within about five feet of him. All right. Uh, well, he was, he was uh, warming up on one of the practice courts they have on the outside bit. Uh, and I was like pressed against the front, like against the sort of cage bit, looking in at him, going, Novak, Novak, <laughs> Novak. It's weird, isn't it? Because tennis, like the, the big tennis players, really are superstars. They're like rock stars in a way that very few other things are these days. Like once people, once rumors spread that Djokovic had come onto the practice court, people literally were running across the O2 arena, like screaming. He came over and uh, sort of chucked a towel out into the crowd, which people were then scrapping over. And I, I, could, I could feel myself getting a little bit starstruck. It's a weird thing. It's that thing, isn't it, that I think... I mean, I didn't see Federer. I, would, like, I mean, Federer is probably my favourite human. Uh, so I, I, apart from Morrissey. I, I, apart from maybe Morrissey. I would have loved to, uh, to see him. I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll see him like, just walking past. I'll be like, hey, man. Like, we'll have a conversation. I'll you know, be his mate. I'll really impress him. <laughs> I don't know what I think would happen. Stick a sticker on his forehead. In reality, what would happen is, you know, if I did ever meet Federer, I'd just immediately freeze. Just be like, ah, No, you wouldn't. Hey, you wouldn't. You'd be, I, no. Hi, Mr. Federer. You're used to dealing with people oh, like yeah. me and Federer, you know, so you, I think you're, you're well-versed. I really you like the guys. way you play tennis. I, I really don't like the practice of throwing like used sportswear or anything really <laughs> sports and throwing it into the crowd i don't like it one it reminds me of it reminds me of a time when i was sat at a bench uh in that london lots of pigeons in that london mm. as you're probably aware uh sat at the bench you know amongst a number of benches with a number of people on and bloody loads of pigeons and the person at like a kind of bench i don't know two down and just finished their sandwich well didn't finish it as this the, was the key point uh, and then just threw it at my feet. <laughs> and then literally, you know, like hundreds of pigeons are coming down from all directions. And like, it's horrible, like, because they're kicking wind and pigeon dust and everything up into my face. Ruined my lunch. Right. Uh, and that's what it's like when you get something like that chucked into the crowd because there's like pigeon people from all directions <laughs> descending on you, trying to fight for what, you know, the scrap that's been thrown at your feet. The sweaty towel. Yeah, I really, it's, it's really also, not it's, a good move for it's me. It's so arrogant as well. Yeah. It's one thing to like go and, you know, sign a bit of paper or sign a tennis ball and give that to the fans. But it's like, oh, here you go. Here's my jock strap. Like, throw, yeah. throw that to people. Well, because also you realise when you get older, like, you know, we used to, used to do that as a kid, you know, that would be the thing. You, you wanted something off, off a sportsman when you are about seven. Uh, but you quickly realise that they've got absolutely no value. What, like having like, I don't know, like Dominic Cork's left batting pad <laughs> like for about two days after yeah, i got it like, oh i could put that on ebay and i was like well ebay didn't even exist back then and i was like oh this you know this is priceless <laughs> and you like quickly realize when you toss it out three years later or four years later you realize you've just been done you've been like you've been harboring a worthless tat there's actually nothing it's one of the things that worries me most as i get older is that seemingly very little things in life have any actual value <laughs> right. if, like as a kid that you think do like football programs it's become very clear to me that there's no point in buying programs one because there's nothing in them like maybe back in the day before the internet but you, you flick through it and you're like well i've read all you know i know all this and then secondly you know you've spent 15 pounds on a souvenir program you gotta tell me that you bought the program yeah, 
I bought three. <laughs> one for me, one for my mum, <laughs> one to sell on eBay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, As I say, normally we're very focused on the yeah, show. Yeah. We, ne- we never talk about anything that isn't cricket. And but just to finish on the tennis, the, the, the funniest thing that happened. I mean, sports crowds are always hilarious for one reason or another. The Wimbledon crowd is, is incredibly middle class, isn't it? And, you know, there'll be a lot of tittering when they're like a pigeon lands on the, on the court. Uh, but there, there were loads of very rowdy French fans in the OT supporting Richard Gasquet, who was playing. After every point, there were a really loud chorus of "Allez Richard, Allez Richard," and bit like people going mad, like "Allez Richard." <laughs> but that's just the funniest bit was that the umpire was like, "Quiet, please," and they went like "Allez Richard, Allez Richard, Allez Richard." They just went silent, and this one incredibly British guy went, "Come on, Gasquet." <laughs> this isn't. Did I get a big laugh? It got a huge laugh. At least I didn't call him Gasquet. <laughs> 200 episodes then, Tone. 200 bloody episodes. People said it was impossible. People said there was no particular appetite for it amongst the general public. <laughs> but we've done it anyway. Wow, what an achievement. I think this whole show is basically just going to be us congratulating just ourselves on a job well done. Can I ask you a question, Tone? How much of episode one of the World Creek Show do you remember? Are you going to play some of it now? I, I wish that I could. I, I've lost the tape. I don't have it anymore. The lost tapes. They'll turn <laughs> yeah. up in like some Nigerian warehouse in like 60 years' time. The first like 25, 30 episodes I no longer possess. And it's probably, there's probably no point in me like putting an appeal out to the listeners <laughs> for episode one because I think one person downloaded episode one and that includes the two of us. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not sure that's going to happen. I could probably recreate it for you if you want. Uh, okay. Hello, um, welcome to uh, the World Cricket Show. Uh, it's a podcast. We'll, we'll be talking about uh, cricket and things like that. And then you'd come in. I'd like, come in like, oh, cool. <laughs> you'd come in super confident. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, wow. Like, why have we not been doing this already? That's the question I was asking early on. <laughs> uh, well, do you know what it was, Tane? Do you know when? We recorded the first episode. I don't want to know. I can tell you exactly when it was. I'd rather you didn't. Uh, because it was the 11th of November, 2008. And I remember that because uh, obviously that's Remembrance Day, Armistice Day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you always remember Remembrance Day. Difficult to forget. Uh, no, because... It, Why were we doing it on Remembrance Day? Like <laughs> the most somber day <laughs> yeah, of the year. <laughs> we were like, oh God, I tell you what people need. They need cheering up. <laughs> with a, with a mucking about... <laughs> uh, we ha- well, we had to pause the recording halfway through because uh, on Remembrance Day in Guernsey, the air raid sirens go off to mark the start of a minute's silence. And uh, yeah, that happened. And then me and you just kind of stared at each other in silence while we waited for the all clear sirens. I've got no recollection. That's brilliant. What a tidbit. But yeah, 2018. Think of that. Everyone was walking around listening to like the Black Eyed Peas and Katy Perry's I Kissed the Girl. President Obama had just been elected. That's uh, nuts. That is nuts. The internet had just come out. <laughs> this new thing called the automobile had been released. 2008, man. So that's quite a long time ago, isn't it? It's quite a long time that we've been doing this, most weeks. Where does it fit in in your life? Like, where, where, when you first meet somebody, how long do you go before you tell them that you do a podcast about cricket? I guess it depends in what, in what context you meet that person. But uh, If you meet a girl, how long before you tell her? Well... The maximum amount, which is a week, <laughs> because you know, largely, because she, she wants to know where you're going. Yeah, 
I'd have thought you'd use this yeah. as a way of impressing women. Believe me, I have. <laughs> I mean, there's only so uh, many girls that can be impressed by a weekly cricket podcast. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not top of the list. You know, it's not an astronaut. I uh, once got someone to listen to it. They came to me the next day. And I was like, oh, did you enjoy it? They were like, yeah, 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 it was good. Um, I did have one question, though. Why do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and is that a question that you ask yourself quite a lot, Tone, well, still, or, or not? One of the kind of things that flashed through my mind in my 10-minute drive down here uh, was... <laughs> Everybody's talking to <laughs> me. Was, you know, it had 200 episodes, probably, well, you know, on average, it's about 200 hours of recording. What could I put that 200 hours to? Yeah. Could have done a serious amount in that. <laughs> At 200 hours, you could like learn to fly twice, could you? <laughs> like other things. You could have like learned the piano or anything. Oh. <laughs> God. I guess all I've learned is... I don't know what I've learned, really. What have I learned? What, what have you learned? learned anything? I've not learned a lot. I've, I've learned... If I have learned anything, I've forgotten it. <laughs> That's the major issue. Oh, well. I've learned... That no, I've not learned anything. Uh, I know that uh, for quite a long time we both found it quite strange that anyone would want to listen to this or that, that anyone did listen to it. We get emails from people in uh, Australia and New Zealand and Canada and America and lots of places around the globe, and it's quite an odd thing, isn't it? Because even at this point, it's still just you and me in a room wow. mucking around. And this is getting deep, and that's quite an odd thing, isn't it? As listeners might remember, we went to uh, America a couple of months ago. When we said on the podcast that we were going to go, we got quite a lot of emails from people saying, uh, from people in America saying, "Oh, if you you know if you're coming through my city, let's meet up." And that you know that's that's a cool thing. I mean, we didn't get back to any of those people, and uh, it's not that's nothing personal. It's just that we we thought it's simply that we thought that you might be a psychopath and murderous. But you know, it, it's a cool it's a cool thing. I guess that is one reason to do it, isn't it? Just just for things like that. Yeah. Or is that, is that not enough of a reason? Well, I mean, money would be one reason, <laughs> uh, you know, if it was to uh, suddenly arrive. I mean, it hasn't yet. No, I'm, I, I keep telling you it's coming. It's <laughs> like they, they keep paying it into the bank, but there's just so many, like, forms that I have to oh, fill yeah. in. So much paperwork, you know, it's bureaucracy and stuff. But you will see some money quite soon, Tane, don't worry. There's 200 episodes worth. Of, a decent, that's a decent work, you know. Fees. What are we talking, like a grand an episode? I guess, on yeah. average. Yeah, yeah, and that's without in- inflation. That's without endorsements. Yeah. yeah, that's image rights. Image rights. <laughs> well, anyway, in the, in the, in the build-up to this uh, 200th episode, we've had uh, quite a lot of questions coming in from, from listeners. Uh, so shall we answer a few of those? Uh, got one from Mike Brown on Twitter. He says, I have a suggestion for your 200th episode. How about you select your post-Atherton World Eleven for all nations? Uh, so that was a question from Mike Brown, but Stephen Holmes also emailed in with the exact same question. So this is a very popular concept, Tone. Uh, now, listeners are aware that uh, over the last few months, I've been selecting my post-Atherton 11 for the various teams around the world. Post-Atherton is just the name that we've misleadingly given <laughs> to, uh, to the sort of era of cricket from about 1993-94 onwards, which is arbitrary, but it's just because that's sort of when we've been watching Test match cricket, and it shouldn't really be called the post Atherton era, it's just the Atherton and onwards era. Uh, but so Less catchy though, that's exactly, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been selecting post Atherton 11s for England and uh, West Indies, etc. But yeah, listeners want us to, to do a uh, post Atherton World 11. We've both picked 
our team. Shall I give yeah. you, do you want to do yours first? I don't mind, I can do if you want. I, I'll just give you a bit of background on mine. I've picked my favourite post-Atherton 11, but that's also good. Okay. Because I could have picked Graham Hick. Yeah, uh, you know, why, you know, and I could well have done actually anyway. But Aftab Habib, well, he, yeah, you know. know, there are players that I really like, but I probably wouldn't make the side. So I've kind of players I've who, play, players who have a I claim like. for being yeah. in it, but are also just players that you personally like. Yep, okay. exactly. Well, let's hear your team then. Uh, I don't know. I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I ran it past a couple of people in the pub before. Uh, a South African chap who he was like, well, basically listed about five stuff. He's like, me, you must have all of those in there, surely. And I was, uh, no, was the answer. <laughs> Do you have any? Uh, one. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, another chap I asked said, you can't possibly have omitted Banger. Uh, it took me a little while to remember who Banger was, but then, of course, Truscothic. <laughs> oh, not Sanjay Banger. <laughs> no. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of squeezed Truscothic in there okay. as well. Uh, now, actually, interestingly enough, uh, although, uh, yeah, the post, I wasn't necessarily in a cricket sense conscious in 1989. That's yeah. when Atherton made his debut. Okay. Uh, and Sachin made his debut three months and a couple of days after Atherton. So in a way, Sachin, we, you know, we obviously talked about him at length in the last few weeks, but Sachin is the ultimate post-Atherton cricketer, that's isn't true. he? That's true, yeah, yeah. And that's but, mental, isn't it? When you, just to think of that longevity of Sachin's career. Atherton re- retired 12 years ago. That's, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, exactly. Tendulkar's played double Mike Atherton's career. In a way, I'm kind of envisaging the, the post-Atherton era to be almost like the, the creation of the Premier League. You know, it's like before that, you know, football existed and it, it was a yeah. curiosity, but it didn't matter. <laughs> it's an obscure sort of um, yeah. backroom pursuit. And I feel the same about cricket. So, you know, in many ways, obviously, Tendulkar is the ultimate Well, we should cricketer. really just call it the Tendulkar era. Yeah, that would be easier, probably. Yeah. That would be easier. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but I've not picked Tendulkar, not because I don't think he's great, wow. but because I don't enjoy... Okay. Watching him, but he just said that he's the ultimate post-Atherton <laughs> cricketer. He's not made it in your team. He hasn't made the team. Just because he doesn't figure in my... Well, anyway, I'll tell you the team. Okay. Anyway, I've gone with Saywag and Hayden up top. Okay. Hayden, you might question, because he, in many ways, is quite an unlikable cricketer. Yeah. Probably a, a favourite cricketer of mine, just because, just because, well, one, he was yeah, unbelievably aggressive, and you know, when he walked out to the crease, you know, the huge presence, a quite cool chap. Anyway, Saywag as well, for obvious reasons. Middle order, Lara, Peterson, and Chanderpool. I've, I've squeezed Trescothic in with the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> possibly possibly cheating slightly but he needed to get in there somewhere that's ridiculous okay yeah so who's the who's the best wicketkeeper of the last <laughs> 20 years best. I'd probably say Marcus Triscotti <laughs> ridiculous well, often you have to do this I, I actually couldn't think though of a, a wicketkeeper who was both good and like unlike someone I really liked and admired Gilchrist yeah yeah Gilchrist but I didn't want Gilchrist and Hayden okay so it was one of the two for me. For some reason. For some reason. Of course, I mean, of course you can't have Gilchrist and Hayden. Don't be ridiculous. Well, no. I mean, what, what, you know, in what world could you pick both Adam Gilchrist and Matt <laughs> Hayden? the same person. Stupid. I, was, I really, it was a toss-up between Flintoff and Callis in the all-rounder. I'm, I'm really hard to choose. I didn't want to have another England player in. So I've gone Callis. I mean, you'd be mad not to choose Callis. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, but obviously, as, for emotional reasons, Flintoff's yeah, a very okay, important character. Yeah. And then the bowling attack: Warren, Wazim, Walsh, and Ambrose. That's quite interesting because that's not far away from the bowling wow. attack that I've got. And it, yeah, just you know, there's four West Indians in there. The reason I, I like, and obviously they're great players. You know, uh, you know, you could argue on merit they deserve to be there. There are other 
bowlers, but you know you can only pick a few. Getting into cricket at the very start, when I was getting into cricket, the West Indies were the top team. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're that young, you don't dislike the, the best players. And okay. I, 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 the West Indian team was a really likable team and I liked the way they played cricket. And although they were winning quite a lot, it, it didn't bother me at that age. Uh, but then as you go on, the Australian winning team, I think I got to a certain age where actually I did care and it really annoyed me that they won so much. So that's why there's kind of, you know, you could have probably had a few more Aussies in there as well. Like Adam Gilchrist, for example. For example. But I didn't want to in the end. Yeah, plus how could you deny Marcus Truscothic the gloves? <laughs> well, exactly, you know, he's earned them. <laughs> yeah. He has earned them. So there we go. That's my, that's my 11. Okay, that's interesting. Do you want to hear mine? Yeah. I'm glad you said yes, because I'm going to tell you anyway. So my team, this is, this is the, what I consider to be the best team possible to beat. This is my post-Atherton World eleven, who I think have been the best 11 players in that time. This isn't just players that I like, like Tony. I've gone for something a little bit more challenging than that. Um, <laughs> well, well yeah, I'm, I think I've not been afraid to make the big calls. <laughs> um, well, my opening partnership is Graham Smith and Verinda Savag. So I went for Smith over Hayden. That was quite a tricky decision. This, this whole exercise is basically impossible, Tony. If I look tired because I've been up the last few nights trying to decide on this team. But yeah, I, I think Smith has been uh, such a colossus for South Africa only over the last 10 years. So I've gone for him alongside Savag. Raul Dravid is at number three. And I'm quite surprised that you didn't pick him because in terms of sort of likeable test cricketers, he's got to be right up there. I've gone for Sachin Tendulkar at four. You know, this is the, ten cool. this is the Tendulkar era after all. Brian Lara... Uh, rounds out in the middle order. Uh, Jacques Callis is my all-rounder. Again, I mean, I love Andrew Flintoff. I mean, who who doesn't love Flintoff? And, you know, in terms of England players, has you know, arguably been the best in this period. But you can't ignore Callis. I mean, he's he's one of the great all-rounders of all time. I've gone for Adam Gilchrist as the wicketkeeper. Right, I think you'd be a total moron not to pick Adam Gilchrist as your wicketkeeper. And then my bowling attack is Shane Warne, Wassi Macram, Kirtley Ambrose, so three the same as you, but Glenn McGrath in place of Courtney Walsh. I don't think you can leave out McGrath really in terms of who's been the best. I think he's been the best. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, maybe not as likeable as Walsh. That's certainly true. In my team, there are three from Australia, three from India, two from South Africa, two from West Indies, and one from Pakistan. None from England. Uh, he calls you biased as well. You know, we get floods of tweets. Oh, he's biased. Yeah, everyone always accuses me of being English biased, but uh, no England players in that 11. But as I say, it is incredibly difficult to pick this sort of team because I've said those 11 players, but there's something I mean, in the, the back of my 11. mind going, you know, oh, where's Murali? Where's Sean Pollock? Where's Sangakara? And that's before you get to like Steve where's Marcus War, Truscothic? Courtney Walsh, Wakai Yunus, Marcus Truscothic. Ricky Ponting. Truscothic was just pipped. By, by Gilchrist. I mean, it's interesting though. If you did put a second eleven together, you know, and they played the first eleven, he would win. Difficult to call. Probably the first eleven. Well, on the basis that otherwise the second yeah, eleven true. would be the first eleven. No, but is there enough? You know, is there enough between them? Is there daylight? That's well, it's true. They, I'm sure if you picked a second eleven with the likes of Ponting and Sangakara and Wakayunis, etc., they would give this first eleven a hell of a run for their money. But surely, by definition. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This first 11 is better, in my opinion. What an era of cricket, though, Tom, in the 90s and the early noughties. You look at the names that we've talked about there and the names that as we said, have just missed out. The names we haven't even mentioned yet. like An, uh, an era when we weren't podcasting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're now the in the doldrums. In the... comparison, <laughs> this era is so poor. And that era was so good. I mean, if you were to pick an all-time World Eleven across, you know, the 150 or whatever years of Test cricket, there's quite a few players in that team that I think would be pretty hard to dislodge. Your Laras and your Warns and your Gilchrists. So, I mean, that was, you know, the sort of golden age of Test cricket in a lot of ways. And I guess so. I mean, this it... is not... <laughs> It's hard to judge those. I mean, we did say this thing. We did say this when we were talking about the Tendulkar retirement. Uh, I don't know why I call it the Tendulkar retirement. About Tendulkar's retirement. Sorry, that's uh, Mr. Tendulkar's <laughs> retirement. Mr. Tendulkar's retirement. You know, there's been a, there's a few players who've together dominated for many years, and you know their careers are kind of drawing to a close at similar times. Ponting, Tendulkar, but it's hard to gauge. You know, the players that may be just coming into their prime and will go on. Amla maybe is one. You know, in, in ten years he could be. Yeah, the, I mean, there's a few players now that I don't think would have been out of place in that era. Ali like Cook, a, like you know, an Amla, like he could Cook. be yeah. superior, couldn't he? By the time, like a Clark. But I mean, I, I sort of made this point the other week. But the thing about those batsmen is that clearly they are great batsmen, but they're not being tested against Warren McGrath, Pollock, Wackar, Wazim, Ambrose Walsh, etc. So it's kind of hard to put them on the same level as batsmen from the 90s um, as your drivers and your Tendulkas and your Loras because they just the bowling at the moment simply isn't as good. There's no doubt about that. So, yes, they may well be as talented, but it, you know, un- until some stronger bowlers come on the scene, it's probably hard to consider them all-time greats. But we'll see. I mean, things change quite rapidly, don't they, in a, in a few years' time. There might be um, much stronger bowling attacks coming through. But yeah, listeners may disagree. Listeners may be thinking, where's Andy Flower? Where's, you know, others that we've not even mentioned? And they might, you know, like to pick their own teams if they've got a spare couple of days uh, and uh, send them in to us. Worldcreature at gmail.com is, of course, our email address. Uh, we've got some more questions, Tony. We've got a question from Mark Duggan, who says, Hi, guys, listen every week from Australia, Canberra, and have a question. When will you do a live show from Down Under? When, Tony? That's a great question. We did talk about going on tour for this Ashes series, didn't we? About uh, we talk a lot. Uh, we're going to hire like a van or something, and you know, do a world cricket road show. I mean, if we're still doing it, which I presume we will be, come the next Ashes series down under, then uh, you know, then why not? Why not? Well, that's one of those things that you know, it's a couple of years away, so we may as well just say that we're going to do it. Yeah, and then, you know, book the venue, Adam. <laughs> book the venue. If I book the venue, then I guess we'll have to do it, won't we? Yeah. A question from James Travers. How does Tony keep his head so shiny? <laughs> it's a great question as well. <laughs> a lot of work goes into that. That uh, photo that we, that we posted last Christmas of us wearing Santa hats 
Uh, I mean, I don't know whether there's something in the camera or something in the lights in the studio, but your head in that photo is remarkably shiny. I have a very shiny head. <laughs> I mean, it shines. Actually, I'm looking at it now, it is very shiny. I don't know why it's so shiny. Why is it so shiny, Tone? It's just a head, isn't it? <laughs> Do you polish it? It's a shiny head. At night. <laughs> when you it's a, it's a personal issue, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, well, James Travis has another question. Right, a follow-up. Which famous actor does Tony think he looks like now? <laughs> We've gone through what... Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's just take it from the top. Legitimate comparisons made by real people, not stooges, uh, and not people known to me. Russell Crowe yeah. is the number one. Uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Spencer from Made in Chelsea. <laughs> uh, that's probably it. I'm waiting for you to say Ryan Gosling, and I'm going to lose my shit if you do. <laughs> I don't think I look much like Ryan Gosling. I think it's more rugged, more kind of rugged. I overheard you talking to a girl, talking to a girl in the pub. This is almost certainly fabricated <laughs> saying, for the record. Saying, yeah, actually, a few people have mentioned that I look like Ryan Gosling. I didn't know way. <laughs> right, move on. Next question. A question from Jason Chapman. Do you wish that you'd made it as professional cricket players? Yes. <laughs> I've not given up hope <laughs> that I still might. It's a fine professional, you know, play for a club in Guernsey, in the leagues, uh, with good hospitality. You know, what more do you want? Probably, yeah, a wage. (laughs) Uh, That's what the word professional implies, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I guess I did want to be a cricket player. It looked kind of more than a footballer. I mean, that's sort of like every every boy's dream, isn't it, to be a footballer? I, I kind of... I did want to be a cricket player more, I guess. Because I'm, I like to think that one of my better kind of character traits is my self-awareness. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that, yeah. <laughs> I'd definitely agree with that. And, you know, I don't actually think at any stage I actually thought I was going to be a professional sportsman. You know, I'd, even at the very start, you know, I knew then that it was folly to yeah, even imagine but, it. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't think that <laughs> it would be. But my problem, Tony, is that I couldn't imagine myself being anything. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's and, where... And look where we are. That's where it's all gone wrong in my life. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, I couldn't imagine being anything. People say, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? Don't know. <laughs> don't really care either. <laughs> yeah, and that's still kind of true. Uh, but I, I did. I did want to be a cricket player, though. I knew it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I did yeah, want to be. I mean, I, and I, I had most of the attributes. You know, I had the the talent. I had the desire. The height came late. I had, I had the desire. Eventually, I had the height. There was there was really only one problem, and that was extreme mental weakness. <laughs> That's the only thing that was holding me back. Yeah, cutting edge was very apparent in its absence <laughs> at any level for me as well. I do, I do lack mental strength. There's no getting away from that. <laughs> we talked about my my collapse in mini golf when we were on holiday, but it's because of that that I have so much sympathy with cricketers who get the yips. You know, the, the Simon Kerrigans of this world. When it all goes wrong and you can just see them mentally breaking down, I think, yeah, that would be me. I would definitely get the yips. I mean. I haven't got the talent to begin with, so I don't know if you could classify it as the yips if I just started bowling badly. But if I was in that situation, I would panic and get the yips, I think. I guess there's quite an interesting thing about cricket, particularly bowling. I guess batting is more about just reacting, isn't it? Because, I mean, this is what the yips is. And to an extent, this is what sport is all about, is sort of trying to conquer that mental awareness of what you're doing. Because once you start thinking about something, then you cease being able to do it, don't you? You sort of... Uh, it's weird if you just think about walking 
your legs kind of get stuck, don't they, if you think about what you're doing. As a batsman, you're just kind of reacting to the ball that's coming towards you. And that's similar to other sports, like, say, football is just about sort of instinctive reactions to the game as it's unfolding. But then in cricket, as a bowler, when you're running up to bowl, you've got all this time to think about what you're going to do. And you've got to sort of silence this voice in your head that's telling you that you're going to muck it up, or at least that's, that's what it's doing in my head. Uh, I guess tennis may be similar uh, with the serve. It's like when you see people double fault. And that's the interesting thing about football, I think, as well, that it is... Well, the only time the penalty is... Exactly, the, yeah. yeah. Like, all the time you are just reacting to stuff. And then the one time when footballers aren't just reacting to things is like a penalty shootout, and that's when people sort of blaze it over the bar and stuff because they, they can't handle it mentally. I'd love to throw you in in a test match just to see, just and the camera be on you the whole time. I just think it would provide the most comedy. <laughs> We're gonna try. I'm gonna try and arrange that. I'm up for that. I, I mean, I'd, I'd take it even if it's just a sort of. We're putting him into the test side as a comedy experiment. I'd, I'd still take that. I'd take my test cap. Yeah, home. definitely. Take it home. Sell it on eBay. Yeah. I mean, essentially, that is what they did with Simon Kerrigan, isn't it? So, uh, there's no difference. Yeah, I've got his cap actually at home as well. Got a question from Diana Patterson. Uh, she says, Dear at Cricket Show and at Tony Cavur, we attentive listeners know what Tony does for a living, but what does Adam do when he has to work weekends? Really, what I would be interested to know is what a young man can possibly do on an island in the channel other than body surf and play for a second or third ranking cricket club. Oh, that was a great question. Because, I mean, you, you work for the radio, don't you? We, we do, Surprisingly enough, we, too many. <laughs> we, do talk, <laughs> we do talk about that. That you're yeah. a, an actual sort of broadcast journalist, yeah. don't you? Yeah. I mean... Well, don't go on about it. Yeah, you? okay. <laughs> yeah, so over to you, I guess. Well, I mean, this is not... She's not the only person to ask this question. Like, when I, when I put out the call for questions for this episode, it's, you know, the most asked question. I didn't realise that, you know, this was so interesting to people. We, I guess you could probably work it out. We've sort of left a trail of breadcrumbs through the previous <laughs> episodes if you put, if you put them all together. Yeah, I mean, the fact you're constantly dealing me books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to force you to read Trying books. to get me hooked on literature. Yeah. No, well, I was working in a library. It's literally as exciting as that. <laughs> we try not to talk about our jobs too much, I guess, don't we, for yeah. professional reasons. And it is a bit of a shame because uh, funny stuff happens at work all the time that I'd love to talk about. But Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, there is a, there's an element of... This is getting quite deep, isn't it, again? Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I was like to really think about my life. <laughs> Damn it, don't stop making me do that. Right. Okay, uh, should we do one more question? Why not? Because I do want to talk about England's uh, warm-up games. Uh, so one more question comes from Graham Duplessis. Which current Test player do you most admire? That's an interesting question, I think. Who's your favourite current Test player is a much easier question to answer, isn't it? And you've done a, a list of some of your favourite Test players, but... Which current test player do you most admire is, a, is an interesting angle to put on it, I think. Because if I'm just talking about my favourite players, it's like, well, you know, Chris Gale, Graham Swanside, Adramel, Dale Stain, etc. But I don't know if I'd say I'd, I admire them any more than any other test player. I wonder if, if people admire anything now. I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like generally speaking. In this day and age, not, a... in, not in Osborne's Britain, tone. <laughs> it's all gone... All gone to hell in a handbasket. I mean, what is admire? Like a emotion? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what admiration is. It's a feeling, is it? Yeah, it's a I feeling. Guess. 
It's a sort of it's feeling. A noun. So, yeah. It's quite nouny. In the truest sense of the word, if I had to really think about who I admired, you know, I'd have to say I do admire Ian Bell. Okay. Because in terms of a batsman, he reached a point early on in his career where he was a laughingstock to us, yeah. wasn't he? I mean, you know, and we're allowed to do that because we, we're punters. Yeah. We're allowed to poke fun. You know, Robert Key never really recovered from that. And I do, I probably, I possibly admire Rob Key as well quite a lot because I do enjoy watching him on the TV now. But yeah, yeah I'm going to say Ian Bell because he's really turned it around and is now one of the best test cricketers in the game at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you there. Actually, I hadn't thought of Bell, but, but that is a good one. Yeah. And for a similar reason, Matt Pryor, actually, because he, he got dropped from the England side after all those clangers that he made behind the stumps. After he displaced Marcus Triscothic as England's <laughs> wicketkeeper, you know, and I didn't want him to play for England again. I, I, you know, thought that he was a, a bit of a waste of space. And then he went away and worked really hard on his glove work, and is now the best gloveman in the world, as well as being the best batting wicketkeeper in the world. So, I really admire the way that he's improved his game. Uh, some others, I guess, clearly Sachin has to be in the mix, doesn't he? Uh, everyone admires Mr. Tendulkar, Ms. Burrell Hack is someone that I definitely admire. I think, you know, the way that he took that, what was a pretty shambolic Pakistan test team uh, by the scruff of the neck, you know, after the, the spot-fixing fiasco, all the Salman Butt stuff, and he was appointed captain, and he really kind of got that Pakistan team together and turned them into a pretty capable outfit. I mean, they're not without their disasters, as we've seen recently, but they've had some really good results under Mizbar as well. And that Pakistan team beating that England team 3-0 is one of the... Most impressive results, I think, in the last few years in Test cricket. And Misbah's done that as captain while scoring a pile of runs as well. So I do really admire him. Uh, I admire Graham Smith as well for similar sort of captaincy-related reasons. The number of uh, under-pressure captain's innings that he's produced in his career. That 100 at Edgebaston in 2008 to almost single-handedly win that Test Series for South Africa. It was the first Test Series they'd they'd won in England post-apartheid. That was an unbelievable innings and, and he's produced several of those throughout his career so I, I do I really admire him I've got a lot of time for Michael Clark actually God you admire a lot of people I've don't got, you I've got a lot of time for Shivaran <laughs> Chanderpool uh, and others but yeah I think probably Mizbar if I had to pick one is probably the test cricketer that I most admire any other names spring to mind for you I admire Shahid Afridi for the fact that I still like him uh, despite him just behaving quite appallingly <laughs> over the years in many respects uh, so that's impressive this feels like some sort of like team building exercise. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. We have to sit around and think of people that we admire. Yeah. So, anyway, so that yeah. Uh, any other questions? Any more? Any other good ones? Uh, well, yeah. Let's move on to. Well, maybe we could we could squeeze in one more question. Uh, this comes from Matt Matysik. What is your day job? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's the only thing anyone wants to know. Tone. Ashes. This is the part of the show where we talk about the ashes. We are only Tony. Two weeks away from the ashes. Are you ready? No. Okay. <laughs> Am stuff. I ready, what, for this section or the ashes? Uh, the Both. ashes is what I mean. Well, oh, I've forgotten about the ashes. <laughs> well, no, I'm planning a little weekend away, you know, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to add, kind of make a list of things. And I was actually planning on going away. From, I was like, oh, I'll go away on my birthday weekend, 23rd of November. Now... That would be a dumb idea. Did you say that date so that listeners can uh, <laughs> no, send sorry. you presents? Well, I did that on the 23rd of November. No. <laughs> uh, uh, but now I've completely forgotten the Ashes started on that weekend. And I think that would be a misstep because mm. I'll then miss it. Actually, I'm away that weekend as well. I'm at, uh, I'm at my sister's. Uh, so, yeah, 
We've not thought that through. We've not thought any of this through. Bring it forward a week. (laughs) I might write to uh, John in (laughs) Verarity. See if he can bring it forward a week. Uh, Well, have you been keeping up with the warm-up matches, with England's warm-up matches? I watched uh, at work this morning. I followed the live text for a number of hours. Not very little happened, did it really? Just runs were accumulated. Very steadily, yeah. Uh, England's second warm-up game is in uh, Tasmania. Uh, and they've had a great time of it, haven't they? Uh, certainly on the first day, by the time this comes out, at least the second day will have been played. Uh, but on the first day, England batted and they batted and batted and batted and didn't lose a wicket. And Alistair Cook and Michael Carberry both made unbeaten scores above 150. I wouldn't be too happy with that as an Australian, if I, you know, watching that live text kind of build up because clearly there must be in the Australian cricket psyche some real skeletons about that last Ashes series down under and just how many runs England scored. Well, and particularly just how many runs Alistair Cook scored. Well, exactly. Scored, yeah. the, yeah. Clearly the, the bowling attack wasn't top-notch. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Uh, ben Cutting, Trent Copeland, Moisesh and Rikesh, uh, and then a couple of uh, pretty much unknown spin bowlers. Nowhere near what Australia's bowling attack is going to be in the Ashes. So possibly hard to read too much into it, but then it's just that thing where... A lot of England fans would be like, well, you can't read anything into this because the Australian attack is so bad. But if the situation was reversed and this was, you know, Australia piling on runs against a a nothing England A attack, those same England fans would be uh, terrified. Yeah. So, you know, you you can't read too much into it, but it's certainly encouraging that Alistair Cook is in such good form. It's always nice to see as well, you know, two, two batsmen batting out a day, finishing within a run of each other, you know, just sharing the strike. You know, Carberry only faced was it eight, sixteen more balls in the day than Kirk. So yeah, it's good to see, and good to see Carberry good getting some runs. Yeah, they've they've obviously been doing their team building exercises. Yeah, it was good to see Carberry getting some runs. He made seventy eight in the first one game as well, so very much putting his name in the ring for selection. Uh, I certainly didn't expect England to be even toying with the idea of playing Carberry. I thought that they would very stubbornly insist on keeping Joe Root as opener because uh, that just seemed to be. Uh, the sort of thing that they would do, having made that decision, they would they would stick with it. But it does seem like they are at the very least open to the idea of sliding Root back down the order and opening with Carberry. Cook said before this game that they were thinking about that, and now that Carberry's gone out and made this sort of score, it'd be quite difficult for them not to do that. Surely, I mean, if for them to put Root back up to open and leave Carberry out and you know, give a debut to Gary Balance or something, just wouldn't seem to make any sense. Dissimilarly to previous Ashes tours, there is. I think the option, you know, they, if they went with Carberry and it didn't work, they're not out, you know, they're, they're by no means gone from the series. They'd be still favourites to retain the Ashes at least, if not win them outright. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say if Carberry certainly does it again in the third third warm-up match, you'd say get the form guy in. Yeah. Why not? Defeat the object of having warm-up matches if you're going to play Carberry opener and he'll bat hours and hours, get bags of runs, Root doesn't bat, and then he comes in to open in the first test. It just wouldn't make sense. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think at this point they surely are going to play him. And I'm I'm happy about that because I do think England's batting order has a much better look about it with with Joe Root at six. So, yeah, so this this game in Hobart, so far at least, has gone very well for England. Uh, The first one game was in Perth, and that one was uh, perhaps less successful, particularly for the bowlers, they were playing a Western Australia chairman's 11 uh, and the home side made 451 for five declared in the first innings. England responded with 391. There were hundreds for Jonathan Trott and Ian Bell, so both of those were very encouraging. But then there was a batting collapse where they went from 
330 for two to 391 all out uh, to concede a first innings lead. The home side were 168 for five in the second innings uh, when the game finished as a draw. Uh, so there, there were slightly concerning things in a number of areas, but particularly it has to be said in the in the bowling department and particularly uh, with the the three guys who appear to be competing for the third seamer's slot for the first test. So Broad and Swan were rested, Anderson played, but they also played Tremlett, Rankin and Finn. And they are sort of trying to outmuscle each other for this final bowling slot. Uh, and all three of them conceded above four runs per over in the game. Steve Finn conceded above five runs per over in the game. Uh, Rankin took three wickets, Finn took three wickets, Tremlett took one wicket. And they just kind of went around the park a bit. And this is not what was supposed to happen. What was supposed to happen is that these three enormous guys were going to come in and terrorise the Western Australia batsmen and sort of spread fear throughout the land about you know the scary nature of England's fast bowling lineup. And then some guys who can't even get in the Western Australia first team just dealt with them very comfortably. Are England now the ones that are afraid? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> but uh, certainly, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the bowling attack does when they do get a chance, uh, chance to have a go in their second warm-up match. Better looking figures in the second innings of that first test, but presumably looking at the scoring rates, you know, they were, they were kind of going for it at that point. So difficult to read too much into that. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope they do they get some wickets before the start of the series. Afterwards, various England figures sort of came out and said, oh, don't read too much into it, we're just a bit rusty. There's no need to, uh, to take this too seriously. But you can't sort of have it both ways. So I do remember on the last tour when England's bowlers went out and were brilliant immediately, they said, oh, this is really important that, they, yeah, yeah. that they're bowling this well so early on. So it's slightly alarming. And particularly because it seems like everyone's just desperate for Bresden to be fit. It seems like England fans are desperate for Bresden to be fit. And you get the sense that Cook and Flower might be desperate for Bresden to be fit as well. And that is a bit worrying because he probably isn't going to be fit, but if he's past fit and then gets thrust into Brisbane without playing any warm-up matches at all, I really can't imagine that ending well. You know, remember the last time he had surgery, it did take him quite a long time to get back to his best. So don't be relying on Bresden, I would say. Here we go, mate. Two weeks out. You rubbing your hands? Rubbing my hands, yeah. Just thinking. Has has us talking about it now got you more excited? It, it happens every week. If you took kind of map a graph of my excitement levels, it would be peaking when we're talking about it. Then it would trough <laughs> around about Monday after the weekend when I've kind of forgotten about, forgotten about everything. So, yeah, at the moment, yeah, we've, we've hit a peak. Excellent. Much like every single episode of the World Cricket Show before this one, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but despite that, it's nonetheless time to bring it to an end. We did it, Tone. 200 episodes. How does it feel? <sighs> are, you, are you crying? <laughs> no. No. Sweating, <laughs> I think. It's quite warm in here now. <laughs> these studio lights, all these people. I'm just pleased we got it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a spectre, wasn't Real it? Real monkey off our back now. We yeah, we can really go on. Go out and play our best cricket. It's two a week from now. Just double a... <laughs> We'll double down now. <laughs> uh, did you have a good weekend, by the way, Tone? I feel like I went on and on about uh, my weekend. At the, yeah, at the top it was of the a show. fine weekend. Yeah? A fine weekend. Great stuff. Uh, right. Yeah, I think we're going to wrap this one up pretty quickly. Apologies again that there wasn't all that much cricket discussion in, in this episode and we just kind of very self-indulgently talked about ourselves. Uh, but, you know, after 200 episodes, you can probably 
forgive us that. Or maybe you can't. Write in and let us know. <laughs> Worldcricketshare at gmail.com. Uh, but we're going to be talking about all kinds of cricket next week because there's a lot coming up. We're going to be starting our Ashes preview in earnest then. Uh, we'll be talking about... What should we do? England or Australia first? England? Yeah. We'll be talking about England next week. That's just sort of how we do our production oh, so meetings. Yeah, it's more, if you don't listen to the outro normally, that's kind of like, what should we talk about next week? Just a little peek behind the curtain there of uh, how the magic happens. So we'll be doing that next week. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about the test match that's going on in Kolkata as well, India v West Indies, where a certain Mr. Tendulkar is about to uh, bring down the curtain on his career. Nuts. But yeah, that's it for this 200th episode. If you like what we do, uh, then you might like to go onto the internet and get more involved. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Follow us on Twitter. At cricket show is me. At Tony Cover is Tony. That's T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Someone followed you during the show, Tony. Your phone yeah, vibrated. Life, life, life follows. People can't get enough of it. Is that Mr. Tendulkar? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com you can find all of this stuff on our website which is cricketshow.net and leave us a review on iTunes as well if you've got a spare five minutes if you do enjoy the World Cricket Show then that's something that you could do to help us out but that's it then 200 episodes here's to another 200 am I right? yeah do you you think we will still be doing this in another five years God knows yeah, why not? Difficult to imagine. I guess we'll be coming to the studio on our jetpacks then, won't we? Or uh, flying cars. HS2. <laughs> <laughs> Topical humour! Oh, look at that. We'll be coming to the studio on HS2. I would have both moved to Leeds. <laughs> we'll be commuting from Birmingham. It's like having Andy Parsons in the studio, isn't it? It really is. At times, at times. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Stay in school. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Take it easy. went to uh, the local watering hole just ran my all-time Atherton post-Atherton 11 so all-time Atherton 11 <laughs> all-time Atherton 11 <laughs> number one is Atherton number two Atherton middle order uh, now I ran my the World Cricket Show's 200th episode was recorded live in front of a live studio <laughs> audience <laughs> leave that in hey, go on. What, are you gonna what are you going to no, say no, what are you going to no. say that was it. yeah, it's a good question yeah. Guernsey's a, uh, a weird and wonderful place in a way, both of those words are true at times. <laughs> but yeah, come over, come over for a holiday. I'd cut that, actually. Don't, don't, cut that. don't come over for a holiday because they might be a psychopath and murder us. Can they? Actually, cut that, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.